Hi everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal, where each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices. I'm your host, Naveen Agarwal, principal and founder at Achieve, where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. In this episode, I'm joined by Alexei Agibalov, who is based in Germany and a risk management expert. He has been thinking a lot about interfacing the clinical evaluation with risk management. And those of you who are involved in the risk management process in the medical device industry know that EUMDR is the new regulation in Europe and it emphasizes risk management greatly and suggests a clear integration between clinical evaluation and risk management. So we talked about this topic as part of a LinkedIn live audio event in front of a live audience. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Alexa and I connected on LinkedIn again about a year ago, and we have had many conversations uh, along the way. I really, really admire Alexei's passion for risk management, always coming out with new ideas, new questions, and always willing to learn and share his insights. So with that, I'm actually going to um, just invite Alexei to say a few things about himself, his personal journey, you know, career milestones, and uh, introduce himself to you. So Alexei, hello and welcome again. Hi, good evening. Uh, at first, thank you, Naveen, for having me here. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about such an interesting topic that basically affects everybody that has to, something to do with the MDR. Yeah, a few words about myself. My background is in medical engineering. Currently, I'm in the northern part of Germany in Lübeck, um, working with Drega and also employed at Essentia, working there as a risk management expert and consultant. Um, Pretty early in my career, I began with being the uh, being found in the position of the process owner for risk management uh, for a pretty large uh, medical device manufacturer. And there had like a lot of questions also about the interfaces because uh, the risk management there was quite engineer driven and the interfaces were not as developed as they should be. And so I like got into conversations with a lot of different experts from different fields, such as usability, clinical and everything. And I just found myself in a situation where I had a pretty good understanding of risk management itself, but I have seen that the interfaces, the other people just struggle to connect their processes and their needs with risk management. So we all knew that we uh, have to talk to each other and we know that we have to exchange information. But the thing is, we didn't knew how and with the MDR being issued, this um, issue became much, much more present. And yeah, since then we are talking about it. We're trying to clear those issues up and face those challenges together. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that today um, in a lot more detail. But, you know, I just uh, thought about this. You're in Germany, so and it's Friday evening, right? So it's uh, it's amazing for you to be able to just talk about this and i know you have had a long day we were talking about this just uh, before coming live to the show that you already had a long day of workshops so again i appreciate you again coming in and sharing your thoughts so guys eumdr is a big deal in our industry this is a new regulation that has come up in europe and everyone is trying to figure it out 
how to do things in the future. Risk is like, uh, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, more than 250 times or about 250 times it's mentioned in the regulation now. Risk, the term risk or risks, risk management. A lot, Naveen, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> a lot, so basically a lot. So risk is a big ah. deal, right? So we're all trying to figure it out and we have done things in a certain way. We have practiced risk management in a certain way. And as Alexei is talking about, now we have to worry about interfaces to do it right. That's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to get the ball rolling by reading to you this item number 33 in the introduction section of EUMDR. Think of it as like a preamble to QSR. That's you know my common sense understanding. Very, very interesting statement. The risk management system should be carefully aligned with and reflected in the clinical evaluation for the device, including the clinical risks to be addressed as part of clinical investigations, clinical evaluation, and post-market clinical follow-up. The risk management and clinical evaluation processes should be interdependent and should be regularly updated. So regulation is telling us we have to treat them as interdependent processes. So Alexis, start by telling us what a clinical evaluation is in the first place. Uh, at first, I completely agree with a UMDR, but they don't tell us how. I completely agree with every statement that you just read, but the thing is how. Uh, the clinical evaluation, um, I'm, and again, I'm a risk manager. I'm not an expert by any means in clinical evaluation. Whenever I uh, look into the, onto the interface, I'm getting myself a clinical affairs manager who is a much, much better expert than I am in clinical evaluations. But the clinical evaluation itself is a process which generates, collects, and evaluates clinical data to verify safety and performance of the device, of medical devices. Got you. So that is the evidence. Like you can claim whatever you want to claim about safety and effectiveness, but until you show clinical data, we cannot prove that, right? That's what it means, common sense. Yeah, the, That's yeah. what clinical evaluation is. That's a good summary, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So tell me, like uh, one year ago, nearly one year ago, you started thinking about this interface between risk management and clinical evaluation. And I know you, you, you shared your thoughts on LinkedIn, which to my mind, were very awesome and there was a lot of discussion about that because this as you said nobody tells you how to do it and you started thinking about it you started sharing your ideas can you walk us through a little bit about that history about one year ago what you what were you thinking about the interface between the two the thing is, as I said, many manufacturers, when we're looking at the risk management files, they're quite engineering driven. So they're mostly um, looking at design, they're mostly looking at reliability and failures. And not many risk management files actually look at the application of medical device. But in the end of the day, we all are dealing with medical devices and they want to be applied. They want to uh, bring a benefit to the patient. Uh -huh. And that's actually what is happening in the cl in clinical evaluation. And uh, when I found myself in the situation thinking about that intersection and talking to clinical affairs managers, um, we saw that we have a lot of intersections, but that there are still a few differences in the clinical evaluation process and in risk management. So it's like they're not completely the same when the way they're looking at risks. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a really large problem when you want to combine them or to have an inter to create an interface. Got you. So uh, you felt at that time that they were treated as kind of two separate processes. People were doing some stuff in clinical affairs. People were doing some stuff in risk management. And we really wanted to think about how to interconnect the two, right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? 
Yeah, I mean, um, the clinical evaluation process always looks has always looked at harms. We are looking at harms, so why do double work? Yeah. So why having like uh, two processes looking basically at the same things and having such an inconsistency going on with the technical documentation? Mm -hmm. So and uh, that's what we wanted to clear up. Sorry, got you. So when I read your uh, first sort of uh, mind mapping, I call it mind mapping. You you produce a mind map, you shared some ideas, and I I. I I felt that you were trying to talk about two different types of risks. Procedure risk, which is the medical procedure risk, and the device risk. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what is the difference between the two? Is there any relationship in your mind? There is a very firm, important thing to say. Medical procedure risk or procedure risk. This is a term that Sarah and I, we have defined it for ourselves. It's not a term that is mentioned somewhere in regulations and you look and look up the definitions. Mm -hmm. So whenever you hear somebody talking about medical procedure risks or device-related risks, um, ask them at first for their own interpretation of how they define this term. Mm -hmm. But we for ourselves have said um, the clinical evaluation, it looks at the medical procedure itself. So it wants to know, is the medical proce procedure safe? Is it effective? Are there alternative treatments that are maybe better or worse? Is my medical device actually um, producing the medical need uh, that I wanted like, to cover? <laughs> and the risk management file, according to ISO 4971, it doesn't look at the medical device procedure. It looks more at the device itself and how it com to contributes to the procedure and what the interfaces to other devices are. <laughs> so that's why we have started like to um, split those things up. On the one hand, you have the medical procedure risks or the procedure-related risks. Those are risks that have no connection to the medical device itself. <laughs> so basically, when you're, for example, looking at an implant and you want to... Um, to, to have an implant implanted, uh, you're going to have some risks, for example, out of anesthesia. <laughs> because the medical device, uh, because the procedure itself um, uh, must be done under, under anesthesia and the patient um, can get, I don't know, a harm out of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the device-related uh, the device-related risks are like risks that are t um, directly tied to the medical device itself. And I don't mean that uh, fault must happen so that the device can cause a risk. Those are all risks that are uh, tied to the, to the medical device. So as we know, the ISO 4971 says that risks can occur not only in failure mode and fault condition, but also in the normal condition itself. Sure. So everything that you can find like uh, connected to the device, we have put under the category device-related risks. Got you. And if I understand you correctly, Alexa, you would you were probably trying to represent your understanding of how things are practiced in the industry today. On the clinical side and the medical device side, risk management, you were trying to figure out how to describe those and then try to connect the two. And you came up with these terminologies and it's good that you have explained that. I don't want the, the uh, people in the audience to feel like we are defining new terms. We are just, I think what I'm understanding you to say that you are trying to explain what is, how it is being done today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is really no definition. There's no guidance on how to connect these processes. I mean, there's intention, there's a requirement that we have to, but nobody tells us how. And okay. at first, when I tried to understand how the connection could look like, I understood, okay, I don't have any clue about what a clinical evaluation is and how it's done. So I got myself an expert, in this case, Sarah Panten, and she explained to me, okay, this is what I do day by day. This, how, this is how my clinical evaluation looks like. I told her what I'm doing in risk management, and then we saw, okay, 
basically we both care about safety but we have a slightly different understanding in uh in in in, in risks basically and we have to distinguish there on which process handles what got you but you guys came up with actually a, a mind map right you came up with a, a map that showed this interface can you say a little bit about that yeah and then we tried like to distinguish because we've seen a lot of uh, keywords that the mdr gave us for uh, normal condition like for um, normal use correct use use error and we somehow tried like to connect all of all of them um and when we posted this like a lot of people came out and a lot of people commented that we got like so many awesome reactions and it basically validated our approach it's a, it told us or the people told us yeah we know that there is a problem we agree with you but we don't agree with your approach yet <laughs> so we are still learning every day and we are still trying to improve this interface and it just shows us uh, that there is no one solution that uh, fits everybody or fits every manufacturer and uh, as today we had again a workshop with Sarah Panten and Markus Petka about the interfaces of clinical evaluation, risk management and post-market surveillance. And we were sitting entire day discussing those interfaces and we didn't come to a solution because <laughs> there are like so many, so many challenges that we have to face and like a lot of misunderstanding in the industry right now. Mm -hmm. So the good news is that you have started working on it. You are, you are collaborating and you are reaching out to other experts. But before I go into the open session, Alexei, could you summarize very quickly what what are some of the key elements, key features of this interface that, that you are proposing at this point of time? And I know you have written an article. I know you uh -huh. have published on LinkedIn and uh, everybody in the audience, I will actually put a link to that article in the notes for this particular discussion. You will find it there. But uh, Alexei, could you please just Give us like a high-level summary, a snapshot, two or three key features of this interface that you are proposing. The most important interface of the, uh, or the most important point of the interface is to talk, to discuss. Like I said, there is no one-fits-all solution. So the best thing you can do to not completely change your entire process and quality management system, just make a meeting with your clinical affairs manager, sit together at a table, have a drink maybe, and talk about your processes. How can you connect them? How can you really benefit from each other? And then you also have to understand that you maybe have a different scope than them. <laughs> you are looking at the medical device itself. You are looking not only at patients, users, you're looking also at third. You're looking at the entire life cycle of a medical device. Mm -hmm. And the clinical affairs manager is looking only at the application. He's only caring about the uh, medical purpose the medical device delivers. He's caring about user and about uh, and about the patient, uh, patient safety. So the scope of the clinical evaluation is much, much narrower than your scope from the risk, risk management perspective. Mm, that's an awesome point. So I think I, I could extend that logic and say, even before you start design and development, wouldn't it be nice to have a conversation with them and recognize the potential hazards, hazardous situations from a clinical point of view? Right? I, I think that would make a lot of sense to have, yeah. have this conversation even early on. So... I think the key point you are telling us, hey, talk to other people, collaborate more, have a cross-functional dialogue, engagement with other experts, don't do it in isolation, right? That's what I'm hearing you say. Totally. It doesn't only apply to risk management clinical relation. I mean, we have the same issue with usability. We have the same issue with post-market surveillance. Mm -hmm. People so, are not talking enough. 
when it comes to the right things. <laughs> so, so to me, you know, I have talked to several people in these conversations now, and just uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked to John Ward about system safety and a systems yeah. approach. I think we are beginning to understand the need for treating this as a system. And you no, know, we are so focused on our individual processes, our individual elements, that sometimes we forget the interconnections and interfaces. And that's a key point you were highlighting again. So it's very consistent yeah. with what I'm hearing with other people. So uh, thank you, uh, Alexei, for this great overview. And again, these things are going to be like an informal conversation. So at this point of time, guys, I want to open the floor to invite you. And again, uh, you guys know the drill, how it works. Please uh, find a way to request and be invited. I think that you have to go to your profile photo and you will see that small circle with three dots. And just raise your hand and I will bring you on stage. Don't uh, wait for your turn. Uh, please raise your hand now and I'll bring everybody one by one on stage. Uh, we can have up to 10 people, I believe. Uh, so please, please go ahead. And Ed, I want to welcome you. Please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Yes, uh, Naveen, uh, this is a particularly interesting conversation. Um, and Lexi, thanks for, uh, for bringing this up. Um, Ian, 14971 and uh, clause five, we talk about uh, one of the inputs is intended use, intended purpose. And that's where the clinical problem comes in, is we intend our device to be used for a certain um, use and purpose. However, uh, when we give the device to our customer, we have lost control and we don't have the ability to regulate that intended use and intended purpose. And people do things that are outside what we anticipate they're gonna do. <laughs> and then we have th these issues come up, these safety issues. It's outside the manufacturer's control to be able to, to make the uh, user only follow the intended use and intended purpose that's inside um, the uh, the device, uh, I guess, documentation, but also the the uh, the way we we designed this device and what its purpose is for. Mm -hmm. So um, that exposes us uh, to uh, some issues uh, caused by people that think, "Oh, this is a great device. I can use this to do." something else <laughs> and and now we have um with the uh, mdr especially uh issues that we have to address uh with the uh notified bodies the uh competent authorities and and so on uh because the uh the user didn't follow our um uh, i guess i'll call it instructions and <laughs> in how the device is supposed to be used and we end up with with um, problems. And that makes problems for the uh, clinical evaluation people as well, following up on this. So um, it's a whole interesting area. Uh, but 14971, we realized that we did not have control after that device was given to the user. And so that's why if you look in the uh, uh, scope of the uh, regulation, or of the uh, standard, um, uh, we avoid 
uh, the uh, clinical uh, use of the device. We do not, uh, uh, we don't regulate it, but we we uh, we cannot uh, establish requirements uh, for the user because we don't have control in that arena. Got and you. I'll be quiet. But no, this this is a great point. So I think what you are articulating, Ed, is the way the standard is written, and in the real world, we have to collaborate, like Alexi said, with other folks to make it work at the device level in the use environment. So that's great. Uh, thank you, Ed, for sharing that. Isha, I want to welcome you. And uh, please unmute your mic, uh, introduce yourself a little bit, and share what you have in mind. Hello, everyone. Uh, this side, Isha. I'm working here. Uh, previously, I was working with Carlstrom Endoscopy. Right now, I am working with uh, uh, SSI Innovation. Uh, that is a organization who is building the robot, which is completely made in India and making India. So this sort of problem we are facing, like we have designed everything over there and the problem is from the user side. Like the operator is not running it well, the arms collided or the grounding is not pro proper in the OT. So how to calculate the risk and manage the risk at that time? This mm -hmm. is my main question over there. Like I'm in the OT and observing the surgeries over there. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, all these things. Just I want to know. Interesting, Isha. So, so let me let me take a stab at that uh, because I've thought about these situations in the context of fourteen nine seventy one and just what Ed was describing. First thing, first thing that you should realize that you are doing the right thing by developing a good understanding of how the device is being used. You are understanding yes. the different situations, the scenarios in which problems can happen. Uh, I would I would say to you, and again we can focus on this topic in our future conversations, but I would say to that to you, make an inventory of what you are learning first before jumping into estimating the risk. Understand okay. them carefully, understand them well, talk to the experts, the, the user who is gonna be using these devices. Get a variety of feedback and make an inventory of different scenarios in which you might find these problems. Don't jump into risk estimation right away. First do, do and, and I know it might be kind of so, you know, that's all. That's what we're supposed to do, so why wait? Well, wait a little bit before you understand what the hazards, hazardous situations, and harms are. First, understand that linkage, and then do the analysis part, the estimation part later. So, Isha, we will focus on these things in future conversations. Today, we want to stay focused on this uh, interface between clinical and risk management. So, with that, I want to thank you for participating, and I want to invite uh, Florian for uh, sharing his, uh, his thoughts. Hi, I'm Florian. Thanks for uh, inviting me. So, um, I heard Alex talk about the clinical risk and uh, potential definition. I also saw your posts on LinkedIn and uh, also commented on that. So, I have a question and maybe a request to the audience listening today. And I don't know how that could be organized, but it, I would be very, very interested in feedback regarding is there a need for a definition for the term clinical risk, like an official definition, not an MDR, because uh, that would be too hard. But as some of you might know, there is an ISO standard for clinical evaluation in the making. And I see the potential to introduce a definition for clinical risk into that standard. So if you guys think and um, many people out there think that it would be necessary then I would welcome the feedback 
and we could try to really introduce a real definition that everyone, everybody could rely on. So, Florian, let me clarify. Are you working on that ISO standard or are you just aware yes. of... Yes, I am. Oh, wonderful. So, that'll be a way to give you feedback so you can take that to the working committee, right? Exactly, yes. Perfect. So, so as, you, as you know, my uh, I would go even further and I would love to see in the standard the same flowchart that the uh, usability <laughs> standard is giving us. I would love to see a connection between the ISO 4971 uh, flowchart, process flowchart and the clinical evaluation. This would clear up a lot of things. Wow. So it looks like we are doing some matchmaking here, guys. Alexei, exactly. Alexei and Florian, let's connect and start talking about this. We've Wonderful. already talked about the topic and I'm very, very, very thankful that Florian is taking the approach to collect a lot of feedback from the industry because basically that's what, I, what we need understanding oh. the needs from the industry and like getting them into the standards. Oh, I just, I'm just loving this guys. Thank you, Florian, for sharing that. And again, you know, we, we won't get to an answer yes or no, but what you are bringing up is a great point. And that's a value of these conversations, right guys? We are connecting with each other and we are trying to figure out how to work, you know, across geographies, across industries. So thank you for sharing Maybe? that with us. Yes, Ed, go ahead, please. Uh, I want to ask Florian to uh, think about uh, making uh, 14971 a normative reference in your standard, much like we've done in, in uh, all the others. Uh, and one of the things that uh, we have to understand is that all of the risk need to go into 14971 for mi management because um, in the, what is it, Clause 9, we talk about overall <laughs> residual risk, and that means everything. Well, we're talking about AI and machine learning and cybersecurity and biocompatibility and electrical safety. And now if we add clinical risk in there, that needs to be incorporated into the overall residual risk in, in Clause 9 of 14971. So uh, if you can possibly uh, consider making 14971 a normative reference and then constructing, as uh, Alexi said, that uh, that flow chart that shows how it all connects together because that's really important for people. I'm a visual learner. Uh -huh. and those flow charts are very valuable. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So Florian, I don't want to put you on the spot, but could you just, uh, and again, you don't have to answer at all, but this is good feedback. Could you, uh, I was not aware of, of your work. Could you just give us an overall view of, you know, what you guys are doing and what is sort of your uh, plan? Well, yes, of course, but uh, there's not so much that I can tell you so far. Uh, so the working group was launched uh, last, uh, last last November. So um, there was a first draft, um, but uh, during the last meeting that was at the beginning of this week, the draft was pretty much thrown away and uh, we started all over. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the intention is to um, create an international standard for clinical evaluation because as you know, right now we have the European perspective with uh, MEDEF 271, which is a very strong one. There's also an IMDRF document on clinical evaluation, but uh, yeah, there's no standard. And so, uh, well, yeah, some people so, saw the need for it, so yeah. it was kicked off. And, so I, I uh, think you are- Now we work. You're on a long road ahead, and I, I wish you all the best. Uh, I know Bijan has uh, requested to speak, so I'm going to invite him to share his thoughts. Hello. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes. 
Welcome, okay. Bijan. Hi. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hi, Florian. Bijan here. Uh, good to hear you're working on this standard. I'm curious, do you have a number for the standard yet? Yes, it's 18969. It's going to be called an ISO standard? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah, and then uh, just a small remark uh, for Alexei. Hello, Alexei. We, we worked with each other before. Um, uh, I'm glad to hear of the work you're doing. And uh, this is a, a common problem across industry, uh, the, the connection between clinical evaluation, risk management, and post-market surveillance. And uh, it is recognized there's duplications. And so one of the things that uh, on my side people are trying to do is to try to uh, synchronize them in time so that they can uh, reuse the same kinds of investigations uh, literature searches, things like that, and not have to repeat it. Um, and the synchronization, it makes sense because uh, when you do a, a literature search, it's fresh now. But if you wait six months from now, it may not be fresh and you have to refresh it. So it makes sense to just do it all at once, but it requires some synchronization and coordination inside the company to uh, to do that. Nice, nice. So again, you were emphasizing the need for cross-functional collaboration you know, having systems and processes in place that, that promote this collaboration so we don't, you know, redo the work or waste effort. So, guys, yes. thank you again. This was wonderful. As always, I truly appreciate this conversation. I'm personally energized. I don't know about you guys, but I'm personally energized. Those of you who didn't get a chance to come up on stage, please share your, your feelings using the React button. Let, let me know how you're feeling about this. And uh, I want to thank uh, all everybody and particularly Alexei for coming up and sharing his his thoughts with us. Ed, you are always, always a great resource of information and knowledge and Bijan, Florian, awesome, awesome conversation. Guys, a couple of programming notes. Next week, I will not have this uh, live discussion because I have a personal commitment and I won't be able to uh, organize this. But the week after, we will continue after that. Uh, know that the recordings of past sessions are available uh, on my website and the link to that is available in the feature section on my profile. So if you go to my profile, you can link up uh, and look up your past recordings, which we are producing slowly. So it'll take us a while to bring everything in sync. Uh, but those are the two programming notes I wanted to uh, share with you. Finally, finally, most important, reach out to me one-on-one -on -one anytime to give me your feedback. Tell me what you guys are interested in think, uh, talking about. Tell me what's top of mind for you. And if you want to participate as a guest speaker, the invitation is open. So this is no stress, no preparation, nothing, right? It's very casual. So reach out to me one-on-one -on -one anytime. With that, I want to thank all of you again, our, our guest speaker and our uh, audience members who came on our stage to share their thoughts. Guys, have a good weekend ahead, and we will connect in two weeks from now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.